0: Hi, this is Tammy
1: Stronach, best known as the Childlike Empress from The NeverEnding Story.
0: Hi, Tammy. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to speak to me on this. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's sunny where you are, but it's like it's like 90 degrees right now in Florida.
1: Now you're just showing off. I'm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Quite cold.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, My wife's from upstate New York, so she tells me all the time how glad she is to be down here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you, you win on the weather one, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: uh, today we'd like to talk about a couple things. Uh, a couple of things will be, of course, Never Ending Story and also what you've been working on recently. Um, a couple of the questions that I got from people that we asked about uh, Never Ending Story. First one, the most prominent one was, did you enjoy the filming process of, of making that movie?
1: I did. I loved it. It was um, really, really fun. And I think um, in some ways I was very naive and completely uh, fresh. And I, I didn't really um, look at it as a business. I looked at it as a a purely creative opportunity and I just fell in love with the sets and the costumes and, um, and the magic of it all. So um, yeah, I loved the the filming process. Uh,
0: And then, Was it your, was it your decision or was it someone else's decision to leave the, leave the film industry that early on after, after filming wrapped?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously uh, for the most part, I would say um, it was my parents, but it was a family decision. I think, you know, if I had been really adamant about wanting to continue in the business, they, they would, they're very loving, fabulous people and they would have taken that deeply into consideration. But um, the film sort of exploded way more than we anticipated. We didn't um, really understand that it was going to have a sort of uh, global impact. And um, and we our, our lives were sort of turned upside down. The phone was ringing all night because um, of the time difference in different countries. And we had people sort of camped out in front of the house. And the whole thing was a little um, more... Uh, jarring in a way than, than we had anticipated. The actual filming process was like incredible. And I think if I could have just stayed on set forever, I would have, <laughs> I would have, um, but somehow integrating um, the, the, you know, the, the aspect of being a kind of public figure at a young age was really confusing for all of us, including me. Like I was really, I met, I, I recently met some child actors who are just so into it and they love it. and, you know, it's it's this, this like a second skin for them. It's like no problem. But I was, as you know, just felt really um, nervous and uncomfortable, and, and I didn't want to make a big deal about it, and I didn't want to talk about it. And she was <laughs> like the worst celebrity you could imagine. <laughs> so it just, you know, I think we sort of agreed as a family that while I would continue acting and while I would continue dancing and developing other artistic pursuits that I really cared about, that um in terms of of the hollywood machine and navigating uh celebrity and navigating the business side of it that we would um leave that for me as a decision to make it as an adult so um, it was you know it was, a, it was a extensive family conversation and that was what we all agreed on at the
0: end do you have any words of wisdom out there for the other up-and-coming actors like like we see right now if the 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 cast of Stranger Things they're coming up into that kind of environment where out of nowhere this thing exploded and all the focus is on them how should how should they approach that spotlight that gets shined on you 24 hours a day
1: well i do think that the industry's changed a little bit and 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 i think for the better which is great and i think that those kids all have each other like they're a community and they're not just doing Like a film shoot and then disappearing, they're sort of creating a community over time because, like a Netflix series, you know, goes on for several years, and I think that that's really great because you have a bunch of other people to kind of navigate with together. (laughs) Um, So I think in that way they're really lucky, and I also think that the sort of social media it, it has so many drawbacks, obviously, but it also has some positives in that. In some ways, I think that. Um, I think that social media can be a tool to kind of make us remember that we're all just people, you know, that nobody's, like, very different than anybody else, and that in some ways um, there's – if if you can – if you can approach it properly you can use it as a tool to connect and find commonality rather than sort of feel like you're different from or separated from people which i think could be the drawback for it so i think to just stay you know connected and humble and reiterate the commonalities is is the way to go and that keeps you grounded and keeps you part of the world which obviously is where you want to be
0: <laughs> so so basically using using this the tools of the technology of now to highlight that line between
1: to connect the film industry
0: and the person and making the person the, the prominent focus.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways, you know, this is my personal opinion, but I think in a way celebrities used to be more um, hard to access. There was like more mm-hmm. mystery and they were more separated. And I think there was this, I mean, there was this feeling that everyone drinks tea with, you know, some fancy director somewhere, you know, but the truth is like, you know, people just do their laundry and they try to get their kid to school on time and they fail. And like, you know, I think that it's actually like, in some ways I feel like there's, is there's something useful in de, de glamorizing it. And it's just Mm. a job, you know, and it's a job and you still have all of life's problems and you still have all of life's realities. And I think that in a way, um, if you can kind of take ownership of, um, presenting your image and making it as authentic as possible as opposed to something that somebody else designed and crafted for you and is being sort of um, makes it even, it makes it sort of uncomfortable to be you because it isn't you. <laughs> right. It's like this designer personality, you know, and I think that if you can somehow take ownership and, and really be as authentic as possible and use it as a tool to connect and be real, um, it can it can then become a really positive thing in your life.
0: Okay. I, I agree. I agree completely. There's just I, – I, I'd hate to see more people go through that, that stereotypical child film star tumble. I, I guess that's the easiest way to put it. I, I'd like to see them just to grow with the industry cause the industry is definitely different from – Even the the small amount that I was in it to now is is night and day, and yeah, I
1: I hate
0: to I hate to see more more tragedy stories. I want to see more success stories. I want to see young actors build up their build up their talent, build up their uh, their resume, and yes,
1: I. Social media definitely does
0: seem like. Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that.
1: I no no no. Um, I interviewed Millie Bobby Brown at a comic con. It was really fun and i asked her um you know uh about her her goals and her plans and she she was sort of talking about acting and and i said you know have you thought about directing or producing or writing and she was like well no 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 not right now and i said you know i really think you should just should start thinking about it now and i think in some way that's a way that the industry can change and that's the way that the industry can be um also really fulfilling is if we, if we allow kids that are involved in the industry to start thinking of themselves as makers and, um, and sort of exploring not only helping other people bring their vision to life, which is a really fulfilling, creative thing to do, but to also feel empowered to be like, well, where are the stories I want to tell and what are the roles that I want to act in um, and to kind of sow that seed in early so that um, – there's a sense in which uh, I think, you know, one of the problems with child actors and, and definitely one of the concerns that I faced was this notion of kind of turning into a commodity at such a young age when you're really fragile and you're still developing your identity. And, you know, um, it's really easy to kind of get uh, knocked around if, if, you know, if your value is sort of turned into, you know, something if you're in and then you're out, you know?
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, so I think that if, you know, I think one way those kids um, could navigate it, which I'm sure they will, um, you know, is to also um, have the adults in their lives and have the uh, people that are steering and mentoring them remind them that they, that they can be part of it as creators in addition to performers.
0: Uh, speaking of uh, being a creator, after after your stint in in Hollywood, then you you started creating on your own through music and through dance, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm super passionate about people just making stuff. I think that's my favorite thing to to sort of do and to to talk about is <laughs> just the importance of making. And uh, I had my own dance company in New York for 20 years, and we toured um, nationally and internationally, and I had a, um, a company that I rehearsed out of Brooklyn. Um, and then I was also in a theater company, but it was an ensemble theater company, which um, I loved in that. Uh, you got to play many, many roles throughout the show, and you were involved in the creative process and in the development of the play. So, um, we were housed at Soho Reps for developing those plays. And so, um, and then after the birth of my daughter, uh, and also graduating from this sort of peak physical athletic time of being a younger dancer, <laughs> um, I was looking for a new project um, and a new way to kind of stay growing and and interested in making. And I formed Paper Canoe actually with my husband, who's an actor and a director. And so now I've kind of done a full circle. I feel like I started in, in family entertainment and in stories that kids and adults could enjoy together. And funnily enough, I'm back there again, asking myself, you know, what kind of stories would families enjoy together and, that's what I want to be making right now. My daughter's seven, so it feels – just that just feels right for me at this moment.
0: So you've got firsthand knowledge of what, of what you need to make family entertainment just right there. If she's not entertained, then <laughs> – Totally.
1: Everything goes by her at the dinner table. She's like, I don't know, Mom. I don't know. <laughs> or she's, like, really into it, and she's, like, covered the fridge with the drawings – and you're like, okay, this is sticky. This is working.
0: <laughs> so, what are what are some of the things that you're working on to come out of this? What are you currently building up to?
1: Well, so I when I started the company a couple of years ago, I started in what I know. You always fold into what you know, and for me, that was uh, live performance. So we uh, developed a show um, that I love and still want to bring back in some new incarnations called light. And it's a sci-fi dystopia about a, a young a young girl who um, saves the day. The the world, all the light has been sucked out of it, the sun's been stolen and she has to literally save the day. <laughs> so that was a play we did and it had a kind of steampunk Uh, vibe to it, and uh, then we did um, another puppet show for younger kids in Brooklyn that ran for many months, and it was called um, Asox Fables, based on Asox
0: Fables,
1: (laughs) and it was so much fun because it developed out of a snowstorm. We were snowed in for three days with our daughter, and I just decided that we weren't going to watch television. We were going to just make stuff, all the whole snowstorm. And so we started looking around the house and opening drawers and, and we found socks and we made sock puppets. And so then her winter boots, we put like tinfoil around them and stuck like forks on them and they became soldiers and, you know, we sort of like started making all these things. And, and from that little weekend, this little, um, little show developed and then we brought her friends over and then our friends were like, Oh, you should do this for the community. And then we did for the community and then it moved to a theater and then it was like sold out for several months. It got like, so was sort of this really, really organic uh, little development. So we have that live show. Um, and then we said, you know, we want to reach a broader audience. We have this lovely community in Brooklyn that comes and supports us, and, and we love it. Um, but we want to find a slightly broader reach. And so we started moving towards digital content, and we just um, released an album called Beanstalk Jack which is a retelling of that classic tale. And uh, it was super fun. And obviously, you know, uh, my background isn't uh, in so much music. I did do a record when I was 11 in Germany, like a small, tiny single. And I have been singing uh, in New York in various shows here and there. So I had some experience with it, but not that much. So it was fun and scary and exciting and um, and. And we're really, we're really proud of it. It's a, it's the musical journey from kind of folk. Um, there's like bluegrass feeling in the beginning when Jack's down in the um, at his shack, and then when he goes up into the sky, it kind of travels through '80s rock. And the giant sounds like Tom Waits to me, you know? <laughs> and all the kids, when we were making the album, like the second it would get to that song, would like scream and like run out of the house. And my husband and I were like, I think that's working. <laughs> so um, we made that album and it won a couple of awards, a, a Family Choice Award and a Parent uh, Product Award just recently, which we're really proud of. And um, and now we're going to develop into a series of videos Um and so that's what I'm working on now. Uh, it's a it's a huge project to take all of these songs and turn them into a series of animated videos uh, using um, a couple of different techniques, but uh, down-shooter puppetry and some stop animation. Um, so I'm taking a lot of my choreography skills and interest in object manipulation and, and refocusing it in this direction, and it's really fun.
0: As far as distribution for that, are you going to be going for... Um, like a platform like YouTube or a different sort of platform?
1: We have someone we're talking to, and, um, you know, we're, we're so early days with it uh, mm-hmm. that it could go either way, I and mean, it could be our own YouTube channel, but there also is a distributor that has some ideas about ways of distributing it um, through sort of some of the bigger platforms. Um, so, yeah we're, we're, we're looking at various ways. Obviously, you know, you want to hold on to your content, um, Mm -hmm. but you also (laughs) want to get your content out there. So like everyone else, we're weighing the pros and cons.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, trying to get started up on YouTube nowadays, just very, I've been on the platform for 12, yeah, 12 years now, Mm
1: -hmm. have have
0: not moved that needle at all. (laughs) And I've, I've put out content at, at just so much of it and just, you just have to hit that certain niche with, like, a couple people, then all of a sudden it snowballs, but I just haven't found that niche. So right. usually going the traditional, uh, tradition more traditional route is pretty key. helpful. Yeah, yeah, might be a I lot mean, better.
1: I think there's a real um, need for quality family entertainment. And I think uh-huh. one of the things that we're trying to do, which I feel really passionate about, is to really um, – Change the way that uh, we bring um, videos into kids' lives or, you Mm -hmm. know, entertainment into kids' lives. And I think, you know, it really is how you use it. And I think it can be used as an electronic babysitter where you disconnect from your kid and you walk away and you're in two separate worlds and you just have some space from your child. (laughs) And I think that's traditionally a lot of the way in which it's used. But really, 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 that's not what we want our Paper Can you products to be. And I feel like one of the things that I remember and love about the Never New Story, and I'm so moved by when I meet people, is that it was a story that stayed with them. It was a story that even as adults, it's not just the story that they remember. They remember who they were as a kid at that moment and what was going on in their lives and what was important to them. and what it made them have the courage to kind of hold on to. And so it really isn't just about the artwork. It's about the opportunity to kind of wake something up in, 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 the, in the person that's viewing it that is lasting. And so um, I think there's different kinds of engagement. You know, it can be really passive or it can be really active. And um, one of the big questions I have whenever we're making something is how can this activate the imagination of the viewer of the child and how can we make it fun enough and with enough jokes for adults that just when they're walking away to skate, they're like, No, maybe I want to sit down with my kids and cuddle <laughs> up and we'll do this together and we'll talk and um, and that's really my hope is is that it's it's family entertainment. It's it's it makes the adult wanna be a kid and sit down and slow down and, and remember their creative side and it makes kids feel like adults because we don't talk down to them and the aesthetic values are high and we're assuming that they're bright and smart, and that their imagination is going to kick in.
0: I'll, I'll admit there there are times with our daughter; she's three, that we'll we'll turn on her pad and we'll let her watch something, and but there's there are certain things that I know that I can get her engaged in, and one of them is music. And yeah. I was I was sitting in our bedroom one day, and um, Twisted Sister was on, and. <laughs> My daughter Delia walked in, and I was like, "It's it's just safe enough that you can watch it, no problem." And then I, then I started figuring out her tastes in music are so eclectic, and she gets so animated mm-hmm. when she when she heard, hears certain types of music. That I was like, "Okay, I need to explore this more and find find more things like this because if she's just sitting there watching a Disney show or watching a Minions movie uh, that she's, yeah, watching you just wanna, she's you, not watching actively wanna expand, participating.
1: Yeah, you want to expand the palette. And I think that that's what's so cool about kids. I mean, it's really fun to create things for kids because they're at an age where they haven't, like, been told what they should like and what they shouldn't. You know, like, they're mm-hmm. not worried about the, – they're really open and, and – Um, they want to fall into a piece of music and dance. You know, they want Mm -hmm. to, like, let go and just be where the story takes them. And so um, part of what we did with Beanstalk Jack is we tried to put a lot, a lot of different musical styles on the album, and and we worked with some of the best musicians in Brooklyn who don't play for children's albums at all. They're just Mm -hmm. consummate musicians. And so just the level of musicianship on the album is really high. And I think that kids deserve that. They deserve like, you know, you want to give your kids really yummy food that's healthy and you want to give them like really good art <laughs> so that they're like, wow, I want to play the guitar that well, or I want to, you know, make the saxophone sound like that, you know, so that they're, they're, they're exposed to um, uh, exciting um, and, and varied things so that they, you know, they, their sense of possibility is expanded.
0: When you're trying to get a child interested in the arts, what is – it's kind of a two-part question – what is the right age to start pursuing that seriously and not just as a experimental watch and learn and getting them involved, um, like, seriously, like, like actually <laughs> paying for the lessons and taking them right. to a the music store and letting them possibly, you know, break a, a $1,600 Gibson or something like that?
1: I mean, I you know I think that every kid is different, so it's super hard to generalize. But I haven't met a toddler that doesn't want to move their body or shake an instrument or make a painting. Like I really haven't. Like I haven't met a single one. And I've been a, a teaching artist for for a long, long time. And um, once I you know part of what I do is I perform, but I also teach a lot. And as part of Paper Canoe, um, I often go and do workshops with kids before the show or after the show so that um, their creativity is ignited. So, for example, with ASOC, there was a post-show uh, puppet-making workshop, and all the kids made the most amazing puppets, and then their parents would send me videos of the shows that the kids made at home with their characters that they created. Um, so I really think that you, you, there's no – you need to start right away because all you're doing in encouraging a kid to be artistic is you're just encouraging them to be imaginative. And I think that we all need imagination, right? When our (laughs) bill comes and we can't pay it, right? Get imaginative, right? Like we all, we all stumble into trouble in life and like, what's going to get you, what's going to solve the problem? Like, your own ingenuity, your own creativity. Like there's no, there's no, you can't put a price on that. It's it's the most valuable thing you have is your ability to think, your ability to conceptualize a solution, your ability to craft something that you feel represents you authentically and, and is, is, you know, an expression of who you are. That kind of makes you feel like you have space in the world. So I think you have to start right away and, and it'll, it, you know, you might end up being a scientist, but the the, must, the sort of brain memory of being creative and of problem solving and finding new doors—it's going to serve you in whatever capacity. It's going to serve you as a you know as a mom, as a president, as a like anything. Like you, people need to be imaginative. You know,
0: <laughs> as, like taking like taking dance classes for for children is is there a certain certain thing to look out for when you when you get them. Started into that with classes or are there things you should be on the lookout like how how they're being instructed in dance or anything like that
1: well again it's just I think kids are really different and I think some kids really need structure and those kids should be given the opportunity to be in really structured environments like a ballet environment and I think some kids really crave uh, improvisatory movement and they're going to get kind of shut down in a ballet class. And I, mm-hmm. I think you just need to see who your child is and then give them the things that make them feel, uh, you know, most able to, to kind of explore. Um, my, my daughter, I love ballet. I was a complete bunhead. I was in ballet as often as I could be and just wanted to be on the toe shoes as early as possible <laughs> And my daughter's completely not interested in that. You know, she's uh, she's like a mo- – well, I ended up being a modern dancer, so maybe it's from looking at me, but she just wants to do, like, creative dance, and she has this whole routine she created on these rings where she spins and, like <laughs> – you know, it's like – so I can't, you know, force her into ballet class. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you just have to be – really observant about who your child is, and, and there really isn't a one-size-fits-all one, one size fits all solution. But, I mean, my daughter was on stage at, at one years old. She had her first New York premiere at one. We did a, a dance show with professional uh, dancers and their children, and um, it was an improvisation for an improvisation festival, and it was, you know, we were terrified because here we were six professional dancers with our essentially our toddlers and you're so used to being polished on stage and being in command of every movement and every balance. And, you know, suddenly you have your toddler on stage and you're like, Oh my God, you know what's going to (laughs) happen. And it was so amazing because it really captured the, um, just the, the incredible juggling act that being a parent is, you know, you're trying to do a solo and finish your turn and, and then you see your child climbing up some stairs and you have to stop and run away <laughs> and the audience is just cracking up because it like literally just you know right in front of them was this sort of crazy juggling act we all do with trying to kind of be our adult selves and complete a task and keep our children from falling <laughs> off something
0: yeah I'm, I'm no stranger to that <laughs> my do- my daughter likes to climb Things that she she shouldn't like rope ladders and everything. so like, look how high I got, Daddy. And then she decides she wants to take a free fall off of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a
1: fun. It was a fun project because I also think you know, a lot of times dancers try to be so polished and kind of perfect and in control and. Sticking kids in the show was such a radical idea, you know, sort of so unconventional. We were all like, we're crazy for doing this. And it it just ended up being a really fun thing. So that was my daughter's first show.
0: Um, Speaking more of the adult, uh, I don't want to say adult entertainment. That just sounded really bad. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Entertainment geared more towards adults. Yes, I totally (laughs) Uh, agree. Ultra Low is a project that uh, you mentioned that you have a, uh, a role in, and can you tell us more about that?
1: Sure, sure. So um, I uh, definitely have been um, thinking about acting again and uh, wondering, you know, how exactly to kind of maneuver my way back in. And over the years I've gotten different scripts and, um, and I just was too busy and it wasn't my focus, but ultra low, uh, the script came across my desk and um, it was a kind of very clever idea about a film in a film um, where there's sort of, it, it talks about how hard it is to make a film and as someone who's been making and producing works in New York for the last 20 years, I <laughs> had a lot of sympathy for the sort of notion of just how crazy and hard it is to make, to make an art project, to make a film. And, um, and everyone in the film plays themselves. And so I was invited to come in and do a, a cameo as myself doing a and a And I do a lot of Q and A's. I'm also a a, a dance professor in New York City. And so Q and A's are, it was sort of like, well, I do a lot of those. I'm sure I'll come in and do a Q (laughs) and (laughs) A. So it was a fun uh, way to kind of uh, get back into doing a little bit of film because um, I get to play me. And so I don't have to worry too much about doing that wrong Um, and, uh, but it was also just a nice way to, you know, be back in, in that environment. And it really confirmed for me that, um, I really do miss, I do really miss acting. And now that my, my dance career is shifting gears, um, I'm back in on camera classes and I'm looking at scripts and, um, and so I'm excited about, uh, opening that chapter again.
0: Is there a certain passion project that you'd like to be attached with or a certain movie that you'd like to be a part of?
1: Um, oh, my God. I, I. Speaking of Stranger Things, I'm, like, addicted to that show. <laughs> yeah, I would love a little cameo in that. I don't know. Some kind of funny 80s cameo would be, would be awesome. But um, I think, you know, the material that really speaks to me is, stuff that is more, um, sci-fi fantasy. I do really, I do really like that genre. I feel like in some ways when things are too close to reality, we can almost like tune out because then we start to, um, get stressed.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It's like too close to home, you know, whereas like with fantasy, it's more like big ideas and kind of thinking about larger questions and it's distanced enough from our reality that we can, um, in some ways I think look more deeply at questions because we're a little bit more open. We haven't like already formed our judgments. And so you can kind of fall into a sci-fi fantasy film and grapple with bigger, bigger issues and bigger questions and kind of surrender to that. And then in some ways I feel like I end up thinking more deeply and richly about those kinds
0: of stories. Uh, what was your favorite fantasy feature besides Neverending ending story? Yeah. Well, no, I think, <laughs>
1: I mean, I think the original Blade Runner was just so prophetic and amazing. Um, and I still have nightmares, like the images from Brazil, like when I, I saw that ah. as a, ki- a kid, yep. and like just all the just that the face, you know, the face stretching and like just the weird, like you're like, oh, my God, it's all happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I don't know. Yeah, I think that those films, they sort of really un- – unsettling and they they are just sort of like touch on some of the the sort of the bigger the bigger questions that we have to, to deal with and um you know so yeah i i think those films stayed with me i don't, I don't know if it's some... a good
0: thing or or a bad thing that fantasy films are reflecting our current reality so much especially <laughs> brazil carrie gillian yeah. got it right on the head <laughs> i
1: know i know it's terrifying Did you see um, The Shape of Water? I just saw that. And it it was so beautiful. I mean, films like that, you just want to, you know, you're like, please, yes, I want to be back in that. You know, um, that film was genius. I just, I loved it. I think it's, um, I saw it on Valentine's Day. It was very romantic. (laughs) Uh,
0: Del Toro just has that, he he has some weird insight into what we want to see in fantasy. And then, and then, uh, and then uh, Doug his portrayal behind any mask is always so amazing. No matter what, how many prosthesis you put in front of him, it's you incredible. can still tell it's him and his, his performances are always knockout.
1: It's just the, the acting in that film across the board. I mean, it just wasn't a sing. I mean, every single performance was incredible. And, and yeah, the story is so moving, you know,
0: uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, when can we see Ultra Low? When is that supposed to be out? So I didn't see a release date or anything. On no, that. I, I'm sort of not, um, I'm
1: not, uh, I don't have that information. Um, oh, I okay. do know that it's in sort of final editing stages right now, okay, and so it should be really soon, um, but I don't actually know the release date. I wasn't told. And-
0: I saw in this email here that I got when we were setting this up that, that you were advocating for uh, Peter Jackson's remake of NeverEnding Story. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I'm totally out of the loop there.
1: I was advocating – well, no. Um, I mean, what I understand is that the rights to the NeverEnding Story are completely locked up. Like, I know Leonardo DiCaprio had them for a while. I know hmm. – I mean, really, really, really big power players had the rights and they were not able to uh, get the Michael Linda Foundation to budge on um, reissuing the rights to do another version of it. So people ask me about it all the time, but from what I hear, and uh, it's, you know, definitely going to be very, very difficult. A lot of people who you would think would be able to get that to budge were not able to get it to budge, so... We'll see. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not holding uh, my breath for that.
0: Uh, if, if eventually, because everything gets a remake or reboot eventually in Hollywood, if the never ending story were to restart, what would you like to see out of it to make it special for a new generation?
1: Um, well, I think that, um, you know, the, I think that in many ways, what was really um, lovely about the, the the film, in my opinion, um, is just that they were using um, puppets that were manipulated by people. I mean, they were enormous. Yeah. So each puppet had like six or seven people manipulating it, you know. But I think that my hope is if that, that they did do a remake, that there would be a sort of careful consideration of, not over green screening, everything that they would, you know, now we have Anna what's it called animatronics where it's sort of like, you know, robotics and mm-hmm. there's, so, there's, but it's still like a thing in the world. Um, but I think that, you know, just not losing that sense of handmade human, um, Thing. Like, I don't know. I, I really love that about it. But I think it's, you know, completely it could be updated and things have moved so far forward on that level. But just a kind of purple balance um, to kind of work with the technology that exists without losing um, kind of some of the soul that having this handmade, hand-operated things bring to things.
0: I guess when you when, you have some, when you're told to look at, like, a tennis ball and that's supposed to be something – on a green screen i guess there's something that's lost in the performance of actually having something physically there to interact with
1: i mean you know it's an interesting question because like on stage you don't have those things right you're mm-hmm. constantly imagining that a scenario and so in many ways i have more experience acting not looking at a tennis ball but being on a stage where <laughs> you know the, the, the world that i'm in is is really painted by the imagination so it's not that I I don't think that that's a really powerful and useful thing to do. I just think that like, for example, in, in, in the shape of water, you know, each, each, each image was so carefully chosen, just the specific alarm clock and the specific pot goes on the stove. And there's such a a sort of careful, loving attention to the aesthetic details of it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, um, you know, uh, I think that sometimes when, when, we, when we're sort of hand-placing those things, um, there's a way in which um, there's a care about the aesthetics that I think was really, really um, apparent in the first version. I, there's, mm-hmm. there's so many artists employed in that. It was just like 600, you know, that was like, and they were working for years. It was just like insane, you know? <laughs> so many minds drawing and sketching and painting, and, and I think that, um, you know, just preserving the sort of uh, high-level artistry that of, of the detail of each thing. I mean, you can do that in, in a computerized form as well, but um, I think that there's something lovely about including um, real objects,
0: too. Okay. Well, Tammy, thank you very much for taking your taking time out of your day on this afternoon to speak to us. I, I really appreciate it, and I, I know my wife's going to be very excited to hear your answers. <laughs> <laughs> my
1: pleasure. My pleasure. And, uh, yeah. And, um, if, uh, if you want to uh, check out what I'm doing, the best way to find mm-hmm. me is, um, on Facebook at paper canoe company and, um, on Twitter at never Named Tammy or at paper canoe company. And if people want to, um, kind of back, uh, you know, uh, view like into our studio of what we're making and doing, we just started a Patreon page um, where we're going to be videotaping makings of the videos and also um, I have a new series uh, where I'm going to be doing a craft activity with a kind of celebrity friend or super interesting artist friend <laughs> uh, where adults sit down and try to make a craft activity for kids, <laughs> 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 which then parents can do with their kids, but um, Usually they're pretty challenging, so it's fun to watch people struggle in, in adulthood regaining their childhood skills. So um, that will be available on the Patreon page. We're shooting one of those on, on Thursday this week, so they can check out all the paper canoe activity on those on those places. Uh,
0: so the the Patreon, what is the uh, Patreon address for people to search for?
1: Oh, it's just uh, paper canoe on Patreon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I
0: get, I guess you have. Uh, do you have several different tiers for Patreons on that page?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It could be as low as a dollar and as high as you want. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> There's no ceiling. Just... I
1: don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's really. Yeah. It's, and, and I think, you know, it's funny because I feel like the craft activities, um, we want to make them so that the parents have as much fun as the kids. So they, they have a little, you know, they have, you're not just like, you know, suffering through it, but they're super fun to do.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of activities that we get in, like, the boxes where it's just you're going through the motions. Yes, you just made a paper flower. Congratulations, child.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're going to make – we're working on a new song for um, another album that is sort of in the vault right now. We're going to wait on it, but there's a a tune that we're working on um, called All the Colors of the Rainbow." So we're making um, robot people – rainbow shakers on our first um, episode uh, with kit from TV on the radio, which is just an amazing band. If you haven't checked them out, so that'll be really fun. We'll do a little singing together.
0: (laughs) All right, Tammy. Well, thanks again. And we appreciate it. And um, we hope to see more of you soon. Definitely on, on, on the big screen. Hopefully we'll see a lot more of you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. You have yourself a good day.